know, for the better part of a year, we have been focused on this series of Preach Jesus, and you could almost get the impression that what we're talking about is all history. You know, we started in looking at Jesus as he moved through the Old Testament, and then we watched as he lived out his life, and we learned as he taught us so many different things about how to be his followers. And then last month, you'll remember that we talked about Jesus' work is not done yet, that he is coming again, and his work will be brought to fruition. But what about in the meantime? What about in the in-between time? Between what Jesus did way back then and what he will do at the end of all things, what is Jesus doing now? Today, we begin a new chapter in looking at Preach Jesus And the message that I want you to pick up is that Jesus is alive and well, and he is present in you through the Holy Spirit. He is at work through his church. So the sermon in a sentence could be, Jesus is alive and in you. Or at least he wants to be alive and in you. And so for this next month, we're going to be in the book of Acts. You know, Acts is often called the Acts of the Apostles. But in reality, it is the Acts of Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you would open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1, and we'll begin reading there uh, in just a moment. But as you turn, let me introduce myself to you. If we've not yet met, my name's Kevin Lee. I'm one of the pastors. And I have a prayer request that I want to make of you um, today. This afternoon, after our services are concluded today, I'm going to be leaving for a week once a year, for a week. I go away and pray and seek to listen to what the Lord wants me to plan for the preaching to come in the year ahead. So I want to invite you to be a part of that process specifically by asking you to pray for me. So would you pray that God would speak so that I would listen, so that I would know and hear from him what it is that he wants to say to us as his church? Would you do that for me? All right. Now, before we read these verses of Acts, I want to kind of paint a big picture of where we're going this month, where we're going in this book. Acts is the blueprint for the church. Every attribute of a healthy, God-honoring church is on display in this book called Acts as the Holy Spirit works in and through his people. So part of what we're also going to be doing in this series is we're going to be declaring what are the values of this specific church. Now, you know our vision, right? You see it every time you walk through the doors. We exist so that every man, woman, and child would have the opportunity to know Christ, to grow in Christ, to go as the body of Christ. That's what we do. But when I talk about the values of a church, I'm not so much talking about what we do as 
who we are who we are as we live out the work that God has given us so who is new work fellowship what we are spiritually alive biblically serious radically generous intentionally diverse and purposefully missional now let me take just a minute and talk about each one of these and we're going to unpack these in this series to come spiritually alive the Holy Spirit arrived in power and in presence in the church at Pentecost. And we learned that everyone, everyone who trusted and everyone who believed in Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit. What that means is to this very day, the church is not just an organization. We are not just people who, who do stuff together. But we believe that the living God is among us, that he is within us, that he is at work through us. So we are spiritually alive. We'll talk more about that next week. The second value is that we are biblically serious. You know, I've heard down through the years, some observe that churches tend to be one or the other, either spirit churches that follow the Holy Spirit or word churches that lean in and emphasize the Bible. But in the book of Acts, you'll clearly see that it's not spirit or word, it is both. I mean, Jesus is the Word of God, right? And you see in Acts that Jesus is present and personal through that coming of the Holy Spirit. So as a church, we're going to say we're going to be unapologetically, biblically serious and spiritually alive, both. The third value that, that we live out as a people is radically generous when you study through the book of acts it is absolutely remarkable to look at the generosity of god's people i mean this is this is the church where it was said of them there was no need among them doesn't that just kind of blow your mind radical generosity listen it's not about just big gifts it's about big hearts surrendered fully to God and stewarding well everything that God has given and listen church you you have embraced and you live out this value the fourth value is intentionally diverse from the very beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit in God's people it becomes abundantly clear that Jesus Christ is for all people. It is not an exclusive club. He is for all people. Every nation, every race, every tribe, every tongue. And as a church, we are to be committed to a godly diversity where we live out on earth that heavenly vision of all people gathering around to worship the Lamb. And finally, and finally we will see that we are purposefully missional. In other words, everything we do has to be unified around that overarching mandate that we are called to be his witnesses, literally 
to the ends of the earth. Now, that may sound simple, but you know there's this interesting thing that happens about halfway through in the book of Acts. There is a clear warning about two things that if it gets into a church, it can threaten the mission. And those two things are always the same. Pride and division. When Satan sows that in the church of Jesus Christ, the mission becomes lost. So being purposefully missional isn't just about what we do. It is about humility and unity in the work. Do you see why I love the book of Acts? You begin looking at this, and it's, it's the blueprint. It's the road map. All of that is in there. And listen, if God has brought you here and, and you believe that God wants you to be a part of this church family, let me tell you about something that's happening next Sunday. Our First Steps class, our membership class, is meeting next Sunday, January the 15th at the 9.30 hour. We meet in one of the rooms over here in the adult wing um, uh, where small groups meet. And we want to invite you to come and be a part of that and see if this is indeed the place where God wants you to get connected. We'd love for you to be a part of everything that he's doing here. All right, let's get started. The book of Acts. We're going to start here in Acts chapter 1. We're going to read the first 11 verses today. Luke, the author, writes this. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, but they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, 
two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken up from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now listen, this, this is how I read the book of Acts. And I think this will help you as, as you read the book of Acts. Ask these two things. If it happened then, why not now? If it happened there, why not here? And let me tell you, the answer to those questions is written right into the first verse of this little book. Luke the author writes to Theophilus and explains why he is writing. He said, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do. Luke says, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do. You should underline that phrase, began to do. Implicit in that is he is saying, therefore, in this second book, I am still writing to you about the things that Jesus is continuing to do. And let me tell you, if, if you miss that, I think you miss the whole point of Acts. In Luke, this is what Jesus began to do. In Acts, this is what Jesus continues to do. Jesus is still at work. This book is all about what Jesus is still doing. Now you may hear that and you go, wait a minute, how's that possible? In the very next verse, Jesus leaves earth and he enters into heaven. How is Jesus still at work? Well, this is the big reveal in the book of Acts. He is alive and in you through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is at work through his church by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And so that's the first point I want you to get today. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Do you remember when Jesus told this to his disciples? He said, listen, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching us that the Holy Spirit will indwell you. He takes up residence in you. It's the idea of the Holy Spirit sets up shop in you and he gets to work through you. So if you're a Jesus follower, if you have believed in Jesus at your conversion in that first moment of faith, God indwells you through his presence in the personal gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11 puts it this way, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies in this same Spirit living within you. In another place, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit God's down payment guarantee in your life. Paul writes in Ephesians 1 saying this, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. In other words, if you belong to Jesus, 
His Holy Spirit is in you guaranteed. And, and this is so important because just before his departure, Jesus said to his disciples these words. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you, John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus was saying to them, listen guys, don't go anywhere. Don't miss this. You want this. And then he evokes the language of baptism to talk about the Holy Spirit. It's a way of saying, listen, you're going to be you're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be immersed. You're going to be dripping with God's presence. Now, let me just hit pause for a second, all right? Because I know every time I preach about the Holy Spirit, there, there's, there's two camps in the church. There, there's one group of people that when you hear the pastor talk about the Holy Spirit, some of you get really excited. And you're thinking, finally, I've been praying for this. I want to see a move of the Holy Ghost. And, and you just get fired up and excited. But I also know there's others of you that just get really scared. Oh, no, where, where is this going? You know, we've often joked about our church, and we say, you know, at Newark Fellowship, we scare all the Baptists and we disappoint all the Pentecostals. Well, yeah, truth is, there, there's, a bit, there's a bit of truth in that. But I think we miss the point if that's how you look at the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. This past Wednesday night, we had our New Year kind of preview night, kickoff night, all the stuff that was coming, incredible turnout. By the way, if you missed in your worship program, there's a link there where you can get all the information that we shared um, right there through your app. I sat with this, this lovely family. They, they had a boy and a girl, and the little girl, uh, her name was Charlie. Some of you may know Charlie. And let me tell you, she was intently watching and listening to everything that was going on. And at one point, she's, she's looking at the stage, and all of a sudden she notices the baptistry at the stage and with as much enthusiasm as is possible this little four-year-old girl looks at the baptistry and she says oh are we gonna be doing that bathtub thing again tonight <laughs> so i looked at her and said do you like the bathtub thing and she said oh yes i do and i said me too you know why? Because baptism is a picture of being all in, coming fully to Jesus and watching him transform lives. And listen, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this idea of letting your life be filled to the full, overflowing with the presence of God who is in you, alive and in you. Are you all in? Because listen, a lot of times that, that doesn't happen without a struggle. But like Jesus talking to his disciples, he says to us, oh, you need to understand, you don't want to miss this. This is, is something that you want. You want to be all in. 
And, and so what do the disciples do? And I, I love the irony of this. Listen to this. Jesus talked about how important it is. This is better for you. The Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to fill you. You want to be, be looking forward to that. And look what they do in verse 9. It says, And after this, he was taken up into a cloud where they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And they strained to see him rising into heaven. And then two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring up into heaven? You got the disciples doing this. I can't, can you see? I can't see Jesus anymore. Can you see him? And they're straining to see. Do you understand the irony? God even has to send angels to kind of nudge them. It's time to get to work, boys. Now it's time to get on with the business at hand. This is what I want you to see. If you want to see Jesus, you don't just look back to all the things that he did down through all the pages of, of history. And you don't just look with anticipation to that coming day when he is coming in power and authority. You need to be looking within you the same spirit of god that raised jesus from the dead he is in you have you made room for him i'm not talking about asking jesus in your heart i'm not talking about your conversion of faith but do you know the Holy Spirit of God within you? Have you submitted all of your life to his searching authority? Have you, like baptism, asked the Holy Spirit to fill you to the full until you are just dripping with his presence? Don't you love that bathtub kind of stuff? That's what he's saying, be filled. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you learned that verse, Do not quench the Spirit. I don't claim to know everything about that, but apparently there is something about my spirit that can stifle God's Spirit who is in me. So I think it begins with surrender to the Holy Spirit. Maybe as simple as this, Holy Spirit, God in me, would you have full sway over me? I want to be overwhelmed by your presence so that I might be all available for all that you long to do in me and through me. The Holy Spirit is in you. But maybe even more amazing than that, the Holy Spirit works through you. Now, the disciples had questions, and I'm so glad they did, because I always got questions too. So after Jesus tells them the Holy Spirit's coming, just before the ascension, when Jesus returns to heaven, did you notice the last thing the disciples asked Jesus? Getting ready to go. And they're like, hey, one more thing, one more thing. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? What? I mean, it's so clear that they just don't get it. 
there's so much confusion. There's political confusion. There's national confusion. There's immediate confusion. And Jesus essentially repeats what he's told them before. He said, listen, the Father's the one that knows about those things, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It goes right back to the Holy Spirit teaching, and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Jesus teaches exactly what he taught before you see here's the thing it's like the disciples are asking them hey jesus there, there's some work you still need to do here and jesus essentially says to them no you have some work to do here you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth now let me ask you, how could anyone expect these disciples to ever hope to do the work that Jesus left them to do? How could they be witnesses to the ends of the world? I mean, it's, it's a little bit of overreach, don't you think? I mean, here in the last moment, the last moment with Jesus, they still don't know what they're doing. They still have no idea. The work looks hopeless. That's right. And the work would be hopeless, except for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in them, working through them, and that is still true to this very day. How in the world does the church, how in the world does this church ever hope to live out the commission to be his witnesses to the very end of the earth? It is only through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. In his little book, The Indwelling Spirit, Andrew Murray puts it this way. He said, if we give ourselves entirely to his ruling within us, he will give us more of himself to give more of himself to us and work through us. Now, when he says more here, it's not like he's saying, you know, when you first receive Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit, you get, you get part of him. And later you get more of him. More here is not about quantity. It's about experience and relationship. What he's saying is the more that I surrender to him, the more that I will experience him in that relationship. It's like Ephesians 5.18 where Paul exhorts us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we can hear that and we can think, wait a minute, what does it mean to be filled? I thought I already had the Holy Spirit in me, and so I am filled. Well, it's kind of like the old preacher D.L. Moody once said, I need the continual fill filling of the Holy Spirit because I leak. And you do too. And so we constantly need to be filled. Listen, the work that God gave to his church, to us, is heavy, it is constant, and it is unending. And we cannot do it without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you can see this in the first line of Acts and in the last 
word in the book of Acts. In that first verse we saw, it talks about everything Jesus began to do, implying now we're going to continue with all the things Jesus keeps on doing, and you come to the last word in the book of Acts, and the last word is unhindered. The NIV translation gets that at best, talking about Paul proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance unhindered it's talking about the works that the church has to do in other words what jesus began and then continued to do through the early church by holy spirit filled believers is the same work that you and i have committed our lives to with jesus christ in us in the power in the presence of the holy spirit so what's next what was next for the disciples? Listen again to what Jesus said. This is the what's next marching orders. He says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised, as I told you before. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Circle that phrase, in a few days in your Bible. In a few days and then right out beside it, the word wait. That's what Jesus said, wait. It goes right back to how the gospel of Luke ended when Jesus said, and now send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from, on, from heaven. Jesus was saying, you're going to be my witnesses. To the very end of the earth so on your mark get set wait 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 for his presence wait for his power wait for the holy spirit because what you have to do you can't do without him you can't do it without him let me illustrate this way maybe you can relate i want to show of hands how many of you sometime in the last couple of years fell in love with an air fryer yeah you're my people rest of you we got to hope that you that you're converted maybe this will do it love air fryer and the thing I love best about those is wings in an air fryer. Uh, you know, if we have leftover wings, gone to a restaurant or something, or we bought wings, um, you know, we used to stick those in the refrigerator, and then you pop them in the microwave, and you take them out, and man, it is just slimy, greasy, nasty. Just almost couldn't, couldn't eat it. But in an f- air fryer? Oh, it's a game changer. It heats it up quick. You set that temp, you set that timer, and then when you hear that note, ding! Oh, the wings come out and they're warm and they're just the right amount of crisp on the skin. Recently, I offered to cook dinner for Diana. I got supper, babe, I said. What I'm really going to do is I'm going to heat the leftovers for, for her. You know, you pat me on the back later. So I get out the fryer. Uh, and I get the wings out of the fridge and, and you know, I pop them in the microwave, make sure they're hot all the way through. Then I set that temperature and then I set that timer and you could hear it going, you know. I'm just standing there waiting, you know, until ding. 
And I opened it up, and I thought, well, they're hot enough, but didn't crisp up like they usually do. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm probably just in too much of a hurry. I, I need to learn to wait. And so I said, but I'm going to turn it up hotter, and I'm going to put it in a little longer. And so I set the temp, set the timer, and again, ding, and I open it up. Well, shoot, same slimy mess as before. I said to Diane, I said, man, I, I remember our air fryer doing a better job than this. And so she came into the kitchen to look. Temperature, yep, that's right. How long did you set it? Yep, that sounds about right, she said. And then she saw this. Do you see it? I hadn't plugged the dang thing in. So I was powerless, right? There was no connection. I could set temp all day long. I could set timer all day long. I could sit back with all the anticipation in the world. Ding! And nothing. Listen to me, church. Jesus isn't history. Jesus isn't just coming again someday. There's a work to do. And it's not so much his work now as it's our work. You will be my witnesses, he said. And let me tell you, we are powerless without the Holy Spirit at work in you and through you. But when the Holy Spirit gains full sway over you and me, his work will be advanced unhindered to the end of the age. So what's next? What comes first? Well, you got to get plugged in. You wait. And you pray. In fact, maybe we just learned to pray this prayer that I've written for you in the back of your listening guide. Maybe we all pray this. Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit within me, I desire to submit my whole being to you. I long to be overwhelmed, immersed, dripping in your presence. I ask you to make me ready for the work you have for me. I ask you to make our church ready for the work you have for us. We need your power, we need your presence. We need your spirit to the full, filled and overflowing. Make us fit for your service. Friends are really simple words that are talking about a surrendered heart and surrendered lives. You could even make it shorter than that. 
you could pray God would you come alive in me would you come alive in me would you come alive in me and we do not relent until he does would you pray with me Father God Lord Jesus Holy Spirit within me I desire to submit my whole being to you I long to be overwhelmed immersed dripping in your presence I ask you to make me ready for the work that you have for me I ask you to make our church ready for the work you have for us for we need your power we need your presence we need your spirit to the full filled and overflowing Make us fit for your service. Oh God, come alive in us. In Jesus' name.